Hello, this is Siri, and you're listening to my favorite podcast, Not Real Art. I live for this shit because it's totally lit. Not Real Art, the podcast. Here we are, man one in the house. And some other guy. And some other guy. That's it. Yep. That's Wouldn't you want. like to know, man? Yeah. You know, my name and who I am? Yeah, it's weird. I'm, I'm in here, you know, quite a bit, talking to you across the room, and I have no idea who you are. By the way, this is our fifth episode. Fifth episode already. Yeah. Wow. Look at that. Time flies when you don't know who you're talking to. Five weeks, you still don't know. Still don't know. It's the mystery. Trying to trying to make out the voice though, I think I've heard that voice before. <laughs> well, you know, <clears throat> I like to keep people guessing, and um, it's uh, it's it's good to it's good to be anonymous. Yeah, I guess so. You know, you know. Well, that's why I go by Man One, by the way. Exactly. You know, the crimes you can commit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if I was still doing graffiti with my name. Yeah. Right. The fame. Wow. Yeah. The fame game. It's no joke anymore, though. It's not a misdemeanor anymore. No. No. You do some serious time. It's Now it's either you're a felon or you're a rock star. Mm. It's a fine line, though. <laughs> it's a fine line. Isn't it two sides of the same coin, really, in some cases? <laughs> right. Yeah, now it's uh, you're locked up behind bars or you're on TV, you know, having fun. Hanging out with DJ Khaled. <laughs> Shout out DJ Khaled. We the best music. <laughs> Cloth talk. <laughs> um, yeah, it's the, you know, so much has changed, right? Because, I mean, back in the day, right? I mean, people were just trying to be heard, be seen, let their voices be known. <clears throat> and um, now it's a business. Well, it can be, you know. Yeah. I, I choose the business. Yeah. I chose the business, you know, the business chose me. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can definitely make a living now. And um, if that's what you want to do with your art. But at what point in your career did you know, yeah, I can make money at this. Like I got to, I could actually have a career. Like right off the bat. Yeah. <laughs> I was like 16 years old. And um, as soon as I started painting, and doing graph, um, I think one of my neighbors gave me like 50 bucks to paint his garage door. Which um, back then was like to me that was big like, money. Oh, man, yeah, 50 this, bucks. Yeah, 16. What was that? 85. <laughs> it was like ruling the world. Yeah. So um, yeah, so so I knew early on that I could make money. Um, it's so funny because looking back at it now, it was like, you know. What the hell was I thinking? You know, you can make money, but should I should have charged him a hundred. You know, but then 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 I sold the canvas for like a hundred bucks, and um, you know, one thing led to another, and I just started started thinking, well, if these people give me fifty bucks or a hundred bucks, if I know more people, if I market myself more, mm-hmm. maybe I can make five hundred bucks, mm-hmm. and then maybe that could turn into a thousand bucks, and maybe that could turn into a career. Um, at the time, this was what, 87, um, 
I didn't know anyone who was making a living. I didn't know anyone who was making money doing graffiti. Um, there was a few people who had done projects, you know, here and there. Mm -hmm. And some artists from New York who were actually, you know, obviously doing stuff like Futura for, right. for The Clash or whatever. But there was no one that I could look as a, like as a business model and right. be like, hey, that's how you do it. Right. You know, I just um, I just figured, hey, why not? If I can make 50 bucks here, I can make 100 bucks and I can make 1,000. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And I remember I used to tell my friends that and they'd laugh at me and say, you're crazy. And I was even promoting my friends and telling them do it on canvas, you know, let's sell canvases. And then a lot of them would laugh at me or, or just not, not be into it. Well, they would laugh at you because they didn't think anybody would buy or because they thought it was an affront to the, to the art form. No, no, they just thought no one was going to buy it. They're like, you know, we're just, we're just writers. Right. You know, they don't, they don't want to buy this shit, you know? Right. Um, but I was like, no, I mean, we could put it in museums and galleries and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But no one was doing it, so there was no way to prove it, yeah. you know? Um, but I didn't care. I just, I stuck to my guns and... You had guns? I had guns, you know, stuck to them. So um, here I am now, still, yeah. still trying to make 50 bucks. Still got your guns. Still got my guns. <laughs> nice. Well, I mean, it, it, it is crazy, right? I mean... Um, how things have evolved um, yeah. for all kinds of reasons. Um, certainly the world of commercial art. Like I remember back in the day, like there was a real line, right, between right. commercial art and fine art. Sure, yeah. You know? Yeah. And commercial art, fine artists weren't interested in doing commercial art, and commercial artists maybe wanted to be fine artists but didn't really – have the credibility or the chops or whatever, or they were a sellout already because they were on the commercial side or whatever. Right? Yeah. <clears throat> and over the last 30 years, boy, that's that line, that wall between those two worlds has really just kind of eroded away. Yeah. And also, also just from the other point of view, when I looked at fine artists, mm -hmm. that was not the world I wanted to live in. I didn't right. want. I didn't want to be the starving fine artist. artist. Right. No, no, not only that, just the fine <clears throat> artist. It sounded like this, you know, this uh, superficial, you know, highbrow, interesting, you okay. know, uh, wine and cheese, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, bullshit. Mm -hmm. You know, and I was like, I don't want to be a fine artist. I don't right. want to be part of that world. Right. You know, I want to be about this, mm -hmm. which was which was graph, which yeah. was that's what I was into. Yeah, and um, it's kind of the difference between like classical music and rock and roll, right? Or, exactly. or hip hop or whatever, yeah. right? You want exactly. to be with the cool shit, yeah. Right, that's exactly what it is. And so, um, so, uh, but there was no proof, right? Just like back then, there was no proof that hip hop was gonna keep going and become what it has become. Uh, people just thought it was a fad. It was the same thing with graffiti. People just thought it was a fad, and there was no substance there. Um, and then here we are, you know, so many years later, decades later, and right. now it's, now we are the fine artists, <laughs> yeah, so to speak. Well, no, it's fascinating too. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, you have to <clears throat> talk about it being a fad, like, you know, as we've well established in earlier episodes of this podcast, um, you know, uh, I'm a white dude that grew up in the suburbs and, um, but in my defense, um, I, uh, grew up listening to lots of 
jazz and blues music. Right. 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 And rhythm and blues. Growing up outside Chicago, <clears throat> Chicago being a big blues and jazz city. Yeah. <clears throat> and, but when hip hop came on the scene, um, I didn't have the knowledge. Right. I didn't understand that this wasn't about a fad or a genre of music right. that was going to be hot and then not. Now, I didn't understand that this was a whole culture right, of, right. of voices and people that were finally getting a platform or finally getting, you know. And, um, and, uh, and I could see how that could happen with graffiti too, right? I mean, graffiti being one of the four pillars of hip-hop, right. like people thought – Oh, it's going to be a fad. No, this is this is a culture. Right. This is a world. You're just now seeing it. Right. Just because I, you know, just because I was just seeing it in that moment. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's been around forever. Right. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's um, and for me, growing up in L.A., um, my parents a whole different background, right? I'm I'm come from an immigrant family. I'm the first born here in the United States, first American citizen in my family. Um, and, you know, I grew up listening to Mexican music. You know, my uncles were actually in, in a very well-known um, Mexican band here mm -hmm. in Los Angeles, mm -hmm. Los Diablos. Hmm. Shout right. out to Los Diablos. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and um, those were my uncles. And so I grew up listening to their music and watching them perform. Even at Disneyland, they performed one time, you know, and watching nice. them come out on stage. And, um, <clears throat> and you know, even now... That type of music is um, is still breaking through because um, you know mainstream. Going back to some other stuff we've talked about, mainstream isn't doesn't know how to embrace Latino music, right. and especially Mexican music or whatever. It's just now starting to happen. So, anyways, I came from that background. So all of a sudden, for me to be into like black music. You know, right. <laughs> which is basically what it was, because yeah. it was all hip hop from New York, right. and then hip hop from L.A. and you know all the rappers I was looking up to, you know whether it was Run D.M.C. or Public Enemy or Karis One or whatever, you know they they were my heroes, yeah. and my parents were like, "Who the hell are these black dudes that you that you're into?" You know, yeah. you don't even know any black dudes in real life. You know, right. um, and. Um, but it was more than that. It was more than just, it didn't matter what color they were. It didn't matter what race they were. The whole movement of hip hop was just, um, it was just, it just meant so much to, um, you know, to us because it was like, we, we, we finally had a voice. We finally, someone finally knew what was going on in the streets and the stuff that we were being witness, witnessing, witnessing, you know, like, um, um, racial profiling and things that my parents were scared to talk about in public, you know, even mm -hmm. though, even though we were always, you know, my parents, you know, w were told, you know, they had to sit in the back of the bus or, um, you know, we couldn't get a table at a certain place cause they were Mexican. Um, no kidding. Yeah. And this is in the seventies and sixties and seventies in Los Angeles. And, um, having, that happened to them on a on the daily, right? But then not being able to express it anywhere else, um, and lo and behold, hip hop comes along, talking about those same grievances, the struggle and, and the struggle that we all as people of color share, right? And um, 
I hung, I, I was like, this is it. This is my music. Right. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it, it's, and that's the, but see, like, you know, my socialization around the, the culture and the music um, <clears throat> happened really organically in terms of, you know, my friends who were black or Latino or whatever, yeah. um, introducing it to me. Right. <clears throat> and, um, but while I loved the music and the beat, because I really grew up with jazz and blues and, um, and, uh, I could appreciate the music. Right. Um, I knew that there was part of me that I didn't, the phrase culture vulture didn't exist at that time, or at least I wasn't aware of it. Right. But like, there was something in me that felt like, well, I can, I really appreciate it, but I'm not of it. It's not yours. And I always felt like if I embraced it, it would be hypocritical or right. it wouldn't, it wouldn't, it would be funny. Yeah. I just kind of was just like, no, that, that's not sincere. Like yeah. it wouldn't be sincere. Right. And, um, you know, and even watching, you know, white folks that, you know, really embrace the culture and, you know, whether they were called wiggas or whatever, <clears throat> I always, you know, wondered about that, you know, like, was it a socio socioeconomic thing, you know, because they're struggling right. in a way, you know what I mean? Um, but the truth of the matter is, you know, you can't, um, I mean, the human spirit, right, cannot be put down. Right. It will eventually rise up. And I think that's like the beautiful part of, of what I think hip hop means to me is that it's the human spirit, you know, finally cut through. Well, what's crazy is that, um, saying what you just said, is that hip-hop didn't really matter to anybody mm -hmm. until the white kids started listening to Interesting. it. Interesting. You know? NWA, you know, didn't really know how big they were until they saw an army of white kids saying, sure. fuck the police. Right, right. <laughs> That's when everything shifted, <clears throat> you know? Um, Run DMC didn't care what was going on, didn't understand how big they were yeah. until white kids were out there wearing, you know, their Adidas, you know? Um, and because that's obviously when it becomes mainstream or when it, when it crosses over to, um, you know, to other communities that now, um, you know, um, are challenging the establishment, right? Mm -hmm. so now all of a sudden white kids have white parents that are freaking out because their kids are into this black revolutionary music and uh, they're scared you know right just like we talked the other day about you know satanic music right <laughs> <laughs> nights in service to satan right you know it's like kiss was satanic music oh my god i have a great Ozzy story Osborne. can i can i tell yeah. you a great story yeah i think it's funny life is funny right yeah so <clears throat> growing up uh in the burbs outside chicago a uh, kid in my neighborhood was way into Kiss, right? way into Kiss. Yeah. And so, you know, I'd go to his house and he'd, you know, have all the posters and everything in his room and stuff. And, right. And he would always, like, you know, give me some posters, whatever, and I would go home and hang them in my room. Well, my mom was just not having it, you right. know what I mean? She's, you know, God-fearing woman who, you know, just convinced that Kiss is, you know, satanic. and went, So she'd right. take the posters down. <laughs> you can't have this in the house, you know. Right. It's an abomination, you know. Whatever. Right. 
Well, <laughs> I... I, I'm laughing now, you know, 40 years later, because right. my daughter mm -hmm. goes to school with Paul Stanley's daughter. There you go. <laughs> I see Paul all the time <laughs> in school functions. <laughs> so, you know, sorry, Mom. Is he in makeup? <laughs> he needs to be. He needs to be. <laughs> <laughs> see, that would be awesome if he, if he came to school, dropped off his kid, and, and he's wearing the star Dude, on his face. That would be I wonder if he's ever done that. Halloween. I got to Yeah, probably, right? Yeah. I'll ask him next time I see him. Yeah, see, just tomorrow, just rock rock the, the makeup. Just for me. <laughs> you know, he's 66. Shit. 66. Oh, wow. Yeah. Couldn't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, well, onwards and upwards. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, life is funny. It's good seeing you, my friend. You too, you too. We'll be in touch. Yeah, we'll talk. <laughs> Peace. All right, late.